0: Well hi everyone, welcome to Kingsgate. I trust you well and that you've been really enjoying these Jesus is messages that we've been doing over recent weeks. We've been looking together at uh, Jesus's statements, his I am statements about himself in John's Gospel. And uh, it's just a real delight to be able to come to you this way, uh, right from my rustic cabin in my back garden, which is my home office and a delight just to be able to share the Word of God with you today. And so I pray that you'll be really encouraged, and that if you don't already know Jesus in a personal way, that you'll come to know him as your Lord and as your Savior. Know the wonder and the joy of this reality that we're looking at this week, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Those are remarkable statements. Somebody has once said that the Christian faith is both all-inclusive in that Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, he loves us all, and he paid the price for all of our sins on the cross. And yet it's also exclusive in that only those who believe in him, who receive him as Saviour and Lord, actually receive the benefit of what he did for us all at the cross. In Jesus' own words, he said, The way to life is, is narrow, and few there be that find it, and the way to death is broad, and many there be who go by it. So Jesus' statement where he says, I am the way, is a very powerful statement. It's exclusive, it's powerful, it's clearly directional. And you know, direction is something that we all need in our lives, isn't it? There's a lot of confusion and a lot of fear around in our world today. And, um, you know, I, even when I think back over my life in, in very practical terms, I can remember when I was just 19 years old and I'd only started off in, in uh, Christian ministry, and I had the great privilege of working with a wonderful evangelist by the name of Don Double uh, for uh, his organization that was called the Good News Crusade. And I can remember that in those days, um, we used to run a Christian family camp near the Malvern Hills. And one of the things that, uh, that we used to do during that week Um, where there were several thousand people who would come to this camp, is that one of us would have to um, take people up, everyone who was willing uh, and and interested to do so, to take them on a walk up the Malvern Hills. Now because I was just 19 years old and I was the youngest member of the team, I got given this job. Now, It was well before the time when we had smartphones and Google Maps to help us and that kind of thing. And to be honest, yes, I didn't even have an ordnance survey map to help me. So it was real guesswork and uh, I remember I headed off leading about 50 people up on this walk into the Malvern Hills and I have to be honest and say I got hopelessly lost. Now it's one thing to be hopelessly lost when you're by yourself, but you know if you get hopelessly lost and you're responsible for 50 other people, you can start to feel the pressure somewhat. Well, you know, it's a bit hilarious looking back at it, you know, when I remember it all, how eventually I I had to actually ask permission for someone to to let us go through their back garden and help these people over a fence to get back down towards where the camp was um, to get them home, you know. Um, But I tell you what, it's not funny, you know, it wasn't funny at the time. But, you know, direction is a really, really important thing in life, you know, when people talk about leadership and talk about vision and we say, you know, how can we go from here to there unless we know where there is? And for so many people in life, there is a lack of clarity about where they are going. And uh, my prayer for you today is that th- through listening to this message, that you would come to know Jesus in a personal way and his direction for your own life. And it all starts by having a relationship with him who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So I'm going to begin by reading this amazing scripture from John chapter 14, verse 1 to 6. Uh, this is where we find this, this particular phrase, this particular statement that Jesus makes about himself. In John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know thomas said to him lord we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way here it comes jesus said to him i am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me powerful powerful words Now the context when jesus says i am the way is he's talking about i am the way to the Father, and I am the way to the Father's house, to the Father's home. Now for some people that's a big problem, because when they consider that whole phrase, Father, maybe they've had a very negative experience of fatherhood. For some people, father, fatherhood is just a, a very painful memory. Maybe your dad was absent, maybe your dad was abusive, uh, maybe just he was very shut down emotionally. And you are unable to have a normal, warm, um, good, healthy relationship with him. And so then when you mention the fact that God is a father, it becomes too much to handle. And sometimes people then close off their heart. But I want to say something today that's very important for us. God is not like a father. God is a father. And a very loving father. You know, um, Jesus told a story in Luke chapter 15, one of his wonderful parables, where he talks about the prodigal son. He described as a father, a wealthy landowner, a a wonderful father who had two sons. And The youngest son got to an age where he decided that he he wanted to leave home, and he asked for his share of his inheritance, as an early inheritance. His father gave him the inheritance, and and with that, the youngest son left home, and he ended up living what the Bible calls a very prodigal or wasteful life. You know, he just made friends with all the wrong kind of people, and Uh, You know, just getting into all kinds of stuff. He was having wild parties and and with prostitutes, and he wasted all of his money. And eventually, there came a great famine in the land. He had lost all of his money. And the only job he can get, you know, is, is feeding pigs for a farmer, for a pig farmer, which as you can imagine for a young Jewish boy was a real letdown. But nonetheless, here he is in this setting, and eventually he comes to his senses, and he says, what am I doing here? Even my father's servants at home have got enough and to spare. I'm going to return to my father and I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Take me in as one of your hired servants. You know, I don't know about you, but uh, my wife and I have got three boys. And I think that if one of my boys, one of our boys came back to me and said, maybe they went away, you know, and and they did a whole load of things they shouldn't do. And eventually came back in shame and said, Dad, you know, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You know, it would just make me like a hired servant. It would break my heart. Ultimately, I just want to put my arms around him and say, I love you, come here. And you know, if I feel that way as a just a human dad, the incredible thing is that God is a perfect father in every way. And he loves us. And he loves you today. And you know, the thing about it is that sometimes when we've done something wrong, our shame and the fear of rejection can paint a wrong image of God. And that keeps us from him. And so i just want to say this to you today that when this prodigal son finally returned to the father you know the bible says that the father saw him from a distance and came running down the road and he threw his arms around him before this young man could even get the prayer out of his mouth the father had thrown his arms around him covering his naked covering his shame covering all of his sin and his fear and, you know, he's quickly telling his servants, go and, and bring my best robe and, and, and you know, and, and shoes for his feet and kill the fatted calf. You know, let's put a ring on his finger. He was restoring him to full sonship. Maybe you're watching this today and you need to know this, that you're forgiven. You need to know that you're loved. You need to know that your father in heaven is not against you, but is for you. The Bible says actually about Jesus Christ that he is the way to the Father. In fact, when the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter two, he made made this wonderful statement where he said, through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Talking about Jews who believe in Jesus and talking about Gentiles as non-Jewish people who believe in Jesus. He said it's through Jesus that we come to know the Father. And you can know the Father personally, personally, closely, intimately today, because Jesus has made the way. And really, if you want to have an accurate view of what your heavenly Father is like, take a good long look at Jesus. Later on, actually, in this very chapter of John 14, in verse 10 and 11, Jesus said these words. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The words I speak to you are not my own, but they are the words that the Father has given me. And so we can know this, that if you want to know what what the Father is really like, listen to Jesus. Listen to what he has to say. Read his words in the Bible. See the way that he handled people. He is the way. He is the truth and he is the life. And through his cross, when he died on the cross as our perfect substitute having lived a perfect life never ever sinning he died on the cross for you and me paying the price for our sins so that we could come to god without fear it's like he gave to us his perfect standing before the father his perfect righteousness and he died for our sins giving us then his righteousness so that we could stand free of guilt and free of shame before a heavenly father who loves us and gave his own son to pay the price for the things we've all done wrong. That's amazing grace, and that's what the cross is all about, and that's what the Father heart of God is all about. But Jesus is not only the way in the sense that he is the way to the Father, and he is the way to heaven, but he is also um, the way in the sense that in his life he showed us the way that we should live. He gave us a model to live by, to walk by. In fact, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6 says, If anyone claims to abide in Jesus, then they should walk as he walked. So actually, he's called us to follow in his footsteps. And he showed us the way to treat people, to love people, to forgive people. When I say that expression and when I think of the many scriptures in Old and New Testament that teach us to forgive those who've hurt us and wounded us and our loved ones. I, my mind goes back to Rwanda where I've done a lot of ministry over the years, uh, just both before and just after the genocide and many years since. And I've met many believers who have made the choice to forgive those who have even killed their own family. The grace of God has enabled them and empower them to make the decision to forgive. That's really following in the footsteps of Jesus, the one who said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In the cross of Christ, we find both the forgiveness of our own sins and the power to forgive those who sin against us. What a very, very powerful truth, Jesus is the way. But not only is he the way, but he is the truth. And we live in a world today where we hear the expression fake news a lot. There's a lot of fake news around. And sometimes trying to decipher, particularly on social media, what is the truth and what is not the truth about what we're hearing can be a bit of a challenge. And yet, you know, Jesus Christ... You know, he is so uniquely the truth. This statement about himself is so powerful. Even Pontius Pilate, when he stood before, when Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate, uh, and Pontius was de- Pontius Pilate was making a decision as to what he was going to do with Jesus, whether he was going to hand him over to the will of the Jews and have him crucified, or whether he was going to let him live. You know, Jesus turned to him and he said, I have come. He says, on the side of truth, to make truth known, to declare truth. At which point, Pilate says to him, what is truth? And the whole world echoes that question. The whole world wants to know what the truth is. Absolute truth, solid ground upon which to build our lives. And I want to say to you today that Jesus is solid ground on which we can build our lives. He is the truth. And when we, uh, when we discover that in Scripture, when we look at that, we can see Jesus is not a truth. He's not your truth or my truth. He is the truth. In Matthew 16, verse 13, he says this, Who do men say that I am? And of course, that's a very powerful question, a most important question that, that any of us uh, can answer. He goes on in verse 15 and makes it even more personal. Who do you say that I am? And the answer to that question determines in so many ways the course, the pathway of our life. Not only for this life, but for the whole of eternity. You know... um, I have a dear friend called Dave Lamb, and he's a a wonderful man of God. God has done amazing things through his life, but like all of us, he wasn't wasn't born a Christian. No one is born a Christian. We have to be born again to become a Christian. But here's Dave's testimony. I thought I would just share it, just share this with you. And it is very straight. Let me just warn you, it's really up front. He says this, I've always hated religion, and I still do. I'm not religious. I'm in a relationship with a loving, caring God. I found forgiveness, a fresh pardon and a new start. I used to live for the devil, but now I live for God. It's adventurous, creative, innovative and fulfilling. I am very happy. There's forgiveness for all, but like me, first there has to be genuine repentance, a turning from sin and a turning to God. There were so many gross things that I did, but God forgave me completely. I went to the people I had beaten up. I asked for their forgiveness. And the amazing thing was, they all did. I asked my dad, who I'd hated before my conversion to Christ, to forgive me. i had punched him and knocked him over at the age of 15. And here I was, I was now 27 years old. He forgave me, and a true relationship started. I went with the detective and showed him the houses that I had burgled. One lady came to the door. I asked her for forgiveness. She hugged my neck and said, I forgive you. On the way back to the police station, the detective started crying and asked me to pray that God would save his marriage. I wrote and asked for forgiveness from the shops I had stolen from and from the train carriages I had smashed up. I sent money to each one and they all wrote letters back forgiving me. I still have those letters. I am the most blessed and happiest man on the planet. Once a doctor lectured me after I was found overdosed on heroin and cocaine, but it didn't work. But then I had a dream, and I saw Jesus. I didn't believe in God at the time, and if you talked to me about Him, I would have punched you. But Jesus talked to me, and I saw love and acceptance in His eyes. That dream changed my life, and within one week, I stopped taking drugs altogether. I've never taken drugs since that dream. I was 25 years old, and now I am 71. I will pray for Jesus to search and find you, for you to meet with him. Jesus is my awesome hero. What a wonderful and powerful statement. What a wonderful testimony. Jesus is the truth. He really is the truth. He is the life. Listen to these wonderful words that come from a great Christian apologist by the name of Josh McDowell. When he speaks of Jesus, He makes this statement this Jesus of Nazareth without money and arms has conquered more millions than Alexander the Caesars Mohammed or Napoleon without science and learning has shed more light on things human and divine than all philosophers and scholars combined without the eloquence of schools he spoke such words of life as were never spoken before or since and produced effects which lie beyond the reach of orator or poet. Without writing a single line, he set more pens in motion and furnished themes for more sermons, orations, discussions, learned volumes, works of art and songs of praise and the whole army of great men of ancient and modern times. Jesus is unique in his virgin birth he is unique in his miracles unique in his teaching even those who initially were sent to arrest him came back saying no one ever spoke like this man and they hadn't arrested him you know it's amazing jesus's death was unique and his resurrection was unique Concerning his resurrection, Lord Caldecott, the former Lord Chief Justice of England, made this statement. My faith began and was grounded on what was revealed in the Bible. When particularly I came to the New Testament, the Gospels, and other writings of the men who had been friends of Jesus Christ, it seemed to me to make an overwhelming case, merely as a matter of strict evidence. His resurrection has led me, as often as I have tried to examine the evidence, to believe it as a fact beyond dispute. This Jesus is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. We really need to face the truth about ourselves, too, if we're going to face the truth about Jesus. If we're not willing to admit that we've done things wrong, that we've sinned in thought, word, and deed. How can we be saved if we see no need to be forgiven, to be saved? And so it's fundamental that we see the truth about ourselves. I want to read to you a story here about a man that you may or may not be aware of. His name is Alfred Nobel. It's not a Christian testimony, but it's very powerful. He, he of course, is best known for the Nobel Peace Prize. He lived between 1833 to 1896 and less well known is the fact that Alfred Nobel also invented dynamite. As well as a chemist, engineer and innovator, he was a weapons manufacturer. In 1888 Alfred's brother Ludwig died, and a French newspaper erroneously published published Alfred's obituary. It condemned him for his invention of dynamite, stating the merchant of death is dead. Dr. Alfred Nobel, who became rich by finding ways to kill more people faster than ever before, died yesterday. Alfred Nobel was devastated by the foretaste of how he would be remembered. His last will and testament set aside the bulk of his estate to establish the Nobel Prizes. He gave the equivalent of 250 million US dollars to fund such prizes. Alfred Nobel had the rare opportunity to evaluate his life near its end and live long enough to change that assessment. Have you ever wondered what difference your life might make? How can your life bring blessing to other people? How can you change the world for the better? How can your life be of ultimate lasting value? And really this brings me to Jesus' last statement where he says, I am the way, I am the truth. And then says, I am the life. No one can come to the Father except by me. Jesus did say to us, he said, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed and you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. And to be truly free, we have to come to Jesus to receive his life. Now the New Testament was written in Greek and there's two different words there for life. One is bios, which means like biological life. Physical life, it's a life that we all have as human beings. Breath in our lungs. But then there's another word, and that word is Zoe. And this is the word for eternal life. Jesus put it this way. We use two particular scriptures. In John 3.16, he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever, that includes you and me, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In John 10 10, he says, I came that you may have life and have life in all its fullness. Now, maybe today you don't know the Father. You don't know this great love that the Father has for you, that you can access through Jesus the Son, who died for your sins and rose from the dead. But the Bible gives us an amazing promise. In Romans 10 9 and 10, it simply says this if you believe in in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. I want to give you the opportunity right now to pray a prayer with me, to receive Jesus as your Saviour and your Lord, to receive this wonderful, abundant, and eternal new life that he promised us. Just pray with me right now. Say these words after me and mean them in your heart. The Lord is listening, and he will answer. Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me, died for my sins, and rose from the dead to give me a new life. I'm sorry for living life my way, and I turn from my old ways to follow you. Please come into my heart and transform my life. I receive you today as my Savior and acknowledge you as Lord. Thank you for your forgiveness and a new life with you. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, we would love to help you with some next steps. Please follow the email link on your screen and let us know that you asked Jesus into your life, and we'll be glad to help you in getting to know him better. Now, in a couple of moments, we're going to close with one last song of worship, and I'm going to hand over to the band to do exactly that. But before I do, Let me just pray for you. Maybe you're in need of physical healing, freedom from depression, suicidal thoughts. Maybe you are suffering with arthritis or a heart condition. Maybe you're struggling within your marriage or within your family right now. But I want to say this to you. Jesus Christ loves you. He has the power to heal and to set you free. If you're bound by fear or addictions, he really can change your life. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for each person who is watching this program. I bless them in the name of Jesus. I do rebuke arthritis in Jesus name. I say be healed in the name of Jesus. Let heart conditions be healed in Jesus name. Let asthma and breathing difficulties be healed in Jesus name. Maybe if someone even has COVID-19, be healed in Jesus name. Father, I speak life, freedom, healing and peace into every life here. Let depression lift off in Jesus' name. Let suicidal thoughts stop in the name of Jesus and let your peace and let your love fill every heart and every life in Jesus' name. Amen.